Father, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for our, our lives just being illuminated this morning, what you want us to hear. We believe for we are your sheep and that we hear clearly and correctly in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This is what the Lord wants us to know, that no matter how dark it gets, if you're the light, you are okay. And you're going to be okay because you're the light. Amen. But, um, you know, I've preached on 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says that everything's been given to us, and it's been deposited on the inside of us. I'm sure you can probably just pull up that message out of your, your heart. But, um, and I do believe that. I believe everything's been deposited. Jesus does not have to do anything else for us as far as what he has provided for us. Amen. Second Peter 1, 3. Just remember, recollect on that. But this is what I was thinking about this, and the Lord spoke this to me this week. I really believe it was God. He said, um, you know, there's many people that they, they feel like there is something missing because if what has been deposited on the inside, why aren't we seeing it manifested on the outside more and more? It's a good question. I think it's a really, really good question. Why aren't we seeing more of the manifestation of the things of God. And uh, if you're not careful, you can just think, well, maybe those things have passed away. And religion and certain people have just, they've interpreted what is going on to how they believe. That is always wrong. If you interpret what is going on? Well, this is what we are going to believe. You're going, man, Jesus, when he walked the face of the earth, good night. What if he, he did that? He gave us the example. He says, no, I'm going to believe no matter what I see, no matter what I feel, no matter what's going on. I'm going to believe that this is what God intends for us. And... Uh, I believe the Lord spoke this to me in John 17, 3. It says, this is eternal life, is to know him. That is the missing part or this thing called revelation that we have to know him who is in us so that it can be revealed outside of us. You have to know him. You have to. To know him. And then you're not swayed one way or the other what's going on out here because you know him. You know him. And um, so Mark 4, 19 says this. It says, but they allow the cares of this life and the seduction of wealth and desires for other things to crowd out and choke the word so that it produces nothing. All of us have fallen into that. I know I felt like the Lord says, I want this word to be spoken for such a time as this because I want what's in us. It is time for such a time as this to be manifested in 2021. It is time. I believe God wants to manifest himself, and I believe it. This is what I feel like the Lord is saying. He said, I'm going to show myself to people that will be totally shocked that this could not be, but they're going to know that it's me. 
God's going to make himself known. Whether it's for an angel to show up or it's a supernatural thing to happen or it's a miracle thing. Whether it's the Red Sea experience, God is going to make himself known that everybody's going to look and go, I've never seen anything like this. This has to be God. And while I was praying, I just got this word and I thought, well, that's a weird thing. The Lord says, I want you to tell that somebody's going to be in the church or watching, I don't know where, but there's been a whisper in their ear that says it's time for you to move out of the city. Got this illustration. You know, if you were in Pueblo and if you were going to Denver, that was your destination, and you got on I-25 and you started heading south and you got your snacks You got your heater on. You got whatever kind of music you listen to. Life is good. You're in your leather seats with the bun warmer on. Now, that's my kind of riding, let me tell you. And you are just so comfortable, and life is sweet, and you're going south on I-25, headed to Denver. And you come up to the sign, and you, you just... It doesn't register to you. Welcome to New Mexico. You just keep on going through. But you're comfortable. You're riding good. You're making great time. But you are headed in the wrong direction. Have you ever missed your exit? Have you ever missed a sign? Oh, my goodness. But if you see a sign that says, Welcome to Albuquerque, and you just fly right through Albuquerque, and it doesn't register to you. Eventually, you keep going and go all the way to the tip of Texas, and it says, welcome to Brownsville, Texas. And all of a sudden, you think, this is not my destination. And a lot of times when people end up there, they think, God, how did this happen? Why did you allow this to happen? Ding, 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 ding. I had more signs on I-25 than you could shake a stick at. And you ignored them all. So the Lord says that person who believes that they have inside of them to move to another So don't think I want everybody to stay in Pueblo. There's been plenty of people in our church that have moved out of Pueblo, and they had my blessing, and I believe it was the will of God. But this one time, the Lord says, somebody's being deceived. John 6.53 says this. Then Jesus said to them, most surely I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Let's just stop right there. You know, you can, I've studied many what theologians think about this. And no matter what, it could have been a cultural thing of, of, of um, the Jewish culture. Whatever you may study and think on this. Nonetheless, the bottom line is, this is a weird thing to say to your followers. Okay? But he goes on to say, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last day. Okay, now there's a connection that Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. You have, he's telling these people, he says, I'm loving you so much, but I want you to know something. To have the eternal life that I'm talking about, and it's not just life that lives forever. Most Christians believe that. I was raised in church where eternal life was just a life that you live forever. He says, and that's not the eternal life I'm talking about. The eternal life I'm talking about is John 17, 3. And this is eternal life that they may know you. 
And if you're going to have success and happiness and joy and the fruit of the Spirit on the inside manifest on the outside, you've got to know Him. And that's just where the disconnect is. And so he was saying this, not to be hard on these people, but he was saying for such a time as this, listen, it's a wake-up time. And I believe God is saying this not only to our church, but the church on this planet, that it is time to be awakened of what I have placed inside of you because I'm waiting on you to manifest myself outside of you. So he was sitting there going, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. In other words, you've got to have drink and food to survive on this planet. And God says for eternal life to dwell on the inside and be manifested on the outside, you've got to be able to do this. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. Will live. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. In other words, they had to have that fresh manna every day, and they had to have it more and more and more. But he says, whoever eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue, church. He said this in church as he taught in Capernaum. And then a couple of scriptures down in verse 66, he says, From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. They couldn't handle that. They said, man, you're just, this sounds so legalistic in in the commitment. That is just something we can't handle. They didn't know eternal life. They didn't know what he's trying to say. All they thought was, man, I've I've got to give it up everything to follow you. You want me to give up everything? All of his disciples left, and so he turns to the 12, and he did something that no preacher would probably ever do. You guys want to go too? We wouldn't say that, because some of them may take you up on that. Jesus is at the point, this is such truth, he was saying this, you've got to get a hold of this, but if not, do you want to leave too? Man, you, you know, back in the day when I was a kid, when you were corrected, they said, I will shake you to your teeth rattle. That's probably why the Department of Health came up, never, never shake a baby. But anyway, uh, it's because back in my generation, she said, I will shake the, the, the naughtiness right out of you. And, uh, but I feel like Jesus was doing this. He said, there is something Do you realize God is so good? He is so good that he was going to do everything possible to cause you and me to turn that vehicle around and head back north on I-25. Why? Because he says, I know the the best destination for you. Years ago, I used to think this, and uh, I used to think someday, you know, maybe... My 70s or 80s or whatever, I, I kind of like to, to live in a warm climate where it's warm. You know, like Africa, it was warm all the time. And uh, I just used to think that. Well, this summer, Melody and I were sitting uh, having coffee 
we watch the sunset in the back of our yard. It's just lovely, you know. And, uh, and I just noticed before the sunset, we did that all the time, it seemed like. And it was just bright, beautiful, sunny skies. And I said, I just absolutely love this. I said, I've never lived at a place where I love this so much. And Melody said, you know, isn't it funny how that God knew what you would like even more than what you knew you would like? And I thought, you are right. He says, I know where you would be the happiest. I know where you would be the happiest because I made you. And I know what makes you tick more than what you know that makes you tick. So that's why it's vitally important to be connected to where you hear clearly what God is saying if you truly, truly want to be happy because none of us know ourselves well enough to where we need to live, what we need to do, and who we need to be. This is the bottom line. God wants you to really get in touch with him, to seek him. I told my boys, this, it's just burning with me. I'm t- telling everybody, I says, just make sure you're reading your Bible. Make sure you're, because God will speak to you through the word. He'll speak to you in your heart. And I know there's going to be some people who think, I thought you were a grace guy. And I'm thinking, if you have to ask that, then you really don't know what grace is. Because grace is Jesus. Jesus didn't contain grace. He was grace. And you just listen to how he talked to his disciples. He said some things that were legalistic. And he said things, legal. don't get me wrong, to the Pharisees because... Uh, they were under the law, and so they they needed to hear the law. They couldn't keep the law. I get that. But at the same time, listen, if in the back of your mind, if you think grace is a card that says, I can live any way I want because of his grace, you will go south on I-25. Jesus himself, who was grace, had this prayer to the Father at specific times in his life. Father, not my will, but your will be done. doesn't sound, and you'll still be loved. You can do whatever you want, you'll still be accepted. But if you think you can do everything you want, you'll be at I-25 that says, Welcome to Brownsville, and you know in your heart you're supposed to be in Denver, Colorado. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, it says, So above all, continually chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. It's so easy to get the cart before the horse. Man, I'm seeking these things. I want these things. And we don't put God into the equation. Not only does God want you to put him into your equation, he wants to be the equation. He is the X plus Y equals Z. He's all three of those letters. He's not just part of it. There was a time when we were in Africa, and uh, we were there for quite some time that I was preaching and preaching and preaching. And for some reason, maybe it was just me, I just felt like that the church that I was preaching at all the time was deader than a doornail. 
I mean, I'm pouring out my heart. I'm preaching, and I was a little fire, more fiery back then, and I'm walking and doing, and everybody's just looking at me. And I did that Sunday that we had church, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. We had all kinds of meetings. I mean, just preaching, preaching all the time and everything. Man, I was getting up one Sunday morning early, praying, then getting ready. I was in the mirror, and I was shaving. And I sit there, and I remember the exact words that I said to God. I was shaving, and I said, this church is dead in a I was thinking, said it in my mind, this church is dead in a doornail. It's just dead. There's no fire in this church whatsoever. This church couldn't burn no matter what. There's no just no there's just no fire. It's it's impossible for this. And I just kept thinking down this road as I was shaving. And all of a sudden, I don't know, it was after I washed or after I cleaned the razor, whatever, the Lord just spoke so strong to me. He says, Obviously, you don't know me, and you forgot the story of Elijah. When he was going to burn the sacrifice, he poured a barrel of water. Not once, but he poured it again and again to where the trough around the sacrifice was filled up. It's impossible for things to be that wet and to burn. So you say. God said, so you say. But what I say is, It could be saturated with water. And not only will I burn it up, I'll lick up the water that it was sitting in. Man, I got all fired up and I thought, I don't care what I see. I'm just going to believe in the fire of God is in us, with us, and around us. But listen to me. Listen to me. This is a word for all of us, even if you're watching. It's time for us. We were born for such a time as this. This may be the darkest times that you and I will ever face, but you are the light of the world. You're the salt, and God expects you and me to still believe him and trust him no matter how dark it gets. He still is Lord. And you've got to believe that. He expects you to still lay your hands upon the sick. He expects you still to speak a, a word in due season to those that are lost. He expects you to say, man, God, use me. It's been a comfortable life. Let's just face it. It's been a comfortable life going down I-25 in your leather, and I love leather, in your heated seats and all your snacks. It's been comfortable, and you think, man, everything is good. But God says, I've still got a work to do. And he, we are waiting on him, and we've gotten it all wrong. Instead of crying out, God, are you going to do something? You need to look into the mirror and say, God, use that man the way that you intended for him to be used. You need to be saying, Mike Davis, are you going to awaken to what is inside of you? God is waiting on us. He's waiting on us. So many people are crying out for revival, and God says, yeah, I'm crying out for it too. I've been waiting on you to be awakened to what I have done. To what I have done. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, I've given you everything. I've given you everything. You and I have the boldness. You and I have the fire. You and I have the anointing. Oh, God, just pour out your anointing. It ain't going to happen. Do you need more anointing than Jesus who lives inside of you? If you do, honey, whoa. Wow. 
Jesus Christ himself is inside of you? You need more than that? This is the problem. Because we don't have a connection, we're not, you know, people say, seek the Lord. I've read this one thing on Facebook. says, oh, you shouldn't say seek the Lord because he's in us. I get that. But I'm still use that. I'm, it's not like I know God's laws. But this is the thing. I, it means fellowship. We have to fellowship with him. We need to fellowship with him so that we can know him, eternal life, because it says in, I'll give you one more scripture because I know I'm out of time. 2 Corinthians 1.20. Look at this, what this says. For how many promises? All the promises of God are where? 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 They're in him. And they are in him. They are yes and amen. They are yes and amen. So this is the disconnect. We have to know him so the promises can be manifested outside of him because they are in him. It's not good enough to know that Christ is in you. It's not good enough to know that healing's in you. It's not good to know that prosperity and wealth and the blessings are in you. It's not good enough to know that. You have to know him so they can be manifested out of him into the fleshly realm. We got to know him. And the only way to get to know him is to spend time. You do need to read your Bible. You do need to pray. You do need to fellowship. You do need to spend time with him. You do need to be around godly people. And let me tell you something. If you're just getting this on Sunday, there's no condemnation. Like I said, God's going to love you if you never, never open up your Bible. He'll still love you. He will. And he's not going to take any promise from you. He's not. But more than likely, you won't see the promises. It's really hard to see Denver, Colorado if you're living in Brownsville, Texas. You can wish for it, hope for it all you want, but honey, you're going to be dry. And I don't know what the weather is like down there, but it, it never snows. This is the thing. There's no condemnation. Don't be like the, those silly disciples that said, okay, we can't do this. We're just out of here. Don't be like that. Don't let your, the devil speak or whisper into your ear, man, this is so much condemnation or this is legalist. No, it's the exact opposite. It's time for us to wake up because God wants to see it. He wants to see you lay hands on the sick. He wants to see you to be the light. He wants to see you blessed, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. He wants to see it. He wants to see it. He wants to see. He wants to see you surrounded in the abundance of God, in the wealth of God. He wants to see you surrounded in patience and joy and peace and kindness and gentleness and faith and the goodness of God. <coughs> but he's waiting on you and me. And for that to happen, we got to know him. This year we need to know him at a greater level than we've ever known him. Why? Because he wants to see a manifestation greater than you've ever experienced. The world is going to say, just like they did in the book of Acts. Man, there was 120 of them. When they came out of there, the world goes, who is this? <coughs> they, got a, they just got in touch with their creator. You and I do that. And listen. I know there's times that we're busy. There's times life just takes us. I know that. I was reading Genesis, you know, and um, 
my wife and I were doing this reading program where we're going through the Bible. Uh, it's some kind of plan. I don't know what it is, but we're doing that. And I, and I was looking Abram before he was Abraham. And there were specific times it said he made an altar. He made an altar before God. In other words, he was busy with his life. There was times he was busy, but he knew to make sure that to take time and he would make an altar. What was he doing? All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a hold of you, God. And at those times, you know, and he did stupid things. Right after that, he, he, him and there was a famine in the land, and him and Sarai went to Egypt. And he tells Sarah, hey, listen, you're one hot woman. You're good looking. So don't, if you tell them you're my wife, they'll kill me so they could have you. So you just tell everybody, I'm your brother. That would never happen today, but back then the culture was different. She said, okay. There ain't a woman on the planet to say that today. But anyway, so she did. And so, of course, Pharaoh saw her and go, whoa, I'll take you into my concubine. He did. And in the meantime, Pharaoh unloads silver, gold, flocks, and herds, men servants, and maidservants. He just blessed Abraham. <laughs> Lo and behold, Pharaoh found out that this is not the sister and brother relationship. You're husband and wife. And he got all upset and he says, I could have taken her in, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And he says, you need to depart. And he departed. And then the very next chapter, the first verse or two, it says, and Abram was very wealthy. I'm just telling you, you and I can miss it. You and I can do stupid stuff. I don't know about you, but that's pretty stupid. Yeah, No, it's not my wife. I mean, that's not even a remote small lie. That is Mount Everest. You understand? No, her? Oh, yeah, she's my sister. Yep, we're born from the same parents. Liar, liar, pants on fire, holy cow. And the Lord just abundantly blessing. I'm, I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm not promoting to lie. My, my point is this. There are specific times, man, that you hear from God and spend time with God. I'm an early riser. I, I wake up early. I'm not saying just hear from God at 5 o'clock in the morning and then don't think about him the rest of the day. I think that's horrible. I do my best to, to spend time with God, specifically in the morning. But, man, throughout the day, I talk to him. Just talk to him like I would a good friend. Listen, God wants to be your best friend and best friends talk to one another best friends spend time why because God's got something for you this year that he wants to get to you are you hearing me God has specific things that he wants to manifest in your life and for that to be manifested you have to get to know him at a better level life can be easy Sometimes when it's super easy, it's easy for you and me to be complacent, lethargic. We've all done that. I've done that as a pastor. But I'm telling you, this year, we need to kick that ourselves in the pants. We need to kick ourselves in the pants and let's seek him. And what I mean by seek him, fellowship with him. Fellowship with him. 
Wrap your arms around him and say, God, I believe I'm your sheep. I believe you're going to lead me. I believe I will go north. If you want me to go north, I'll go east. If you want me to go east, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do it. Do you know what God knows? How to make your life so abundant, blessed, prosperous, wealthy. Psalms 35, 27. Let them shout and be glad that favor my righteous cause. That favor my righteous cause. Let them shout and be glad. Why are you shouting and being glad? Because you know that God, David knew the God in whom he served, that I'm going to be glad of my God because it's my God who makes me wealthy. It's my God who makes me healthy. It's my God who makes me blessed. It's my God who makes me happy. It's my God who makes me joyful. It's my God who causes me to rise up. It's my God that causes me to be joyful, exceedingly unspeakable. I can't even explain it, but that's my God. He says, let them shout and be joy that favor my righteous cause. Let them say continually, Continually. What are you going to say continually? Let the Lord be magnified who has. God is saying, I take pleasure in seeing my servants. He said this in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, he says, I no longer call you servants. You're my children. You're my flesh and blood. You're my sons and you're my daughters. How much more is the inheritance to the sons and daughters than those that are servants? And David looked at it as a servant. And he magnified God. Listen to me. Because I dwelled on the righteous cause. Let them shout and be glad that favor my righteous cause. What is the righteous cause? I said, Lord, what is that? He said, that's easy. It's anything that needs to be done good at the time and that day. That's my righteous cause. If, you, if, I, if I put it on your heart, I need to take these people out for lunch. I need to give these people $1,000. I need this to happen. I need that to happen. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. I saw this week, I read an article where Jeff Bezos, he gave the largest charitable contribution, ten, I think it was $10 billion with a B. Elon Musk became the richest man on the planet, worth $191 billion. $191 billion. That's what he's worth. I just thought, I mean, that's a lot of money. You could, you could waste and spend the rest of your life, and you couldn't spend $191 billion. I mean, it'd just be impossible. So I said, Lord, there is no shortage of money on this planet. You got to quit thinking that way. You gotta quit thinking that oh, money's so hard to come by. Ten years ago, Elon Musk, what's his uh, company? Um, Tesla, Tesla. The shares were ninety-eight dollars a share. The week last week, when he became, they were eight hundred and something dollars for that same share. So, if you have one share, you went from ninety-eight to eight hundred. If you had 1,000 shares, you went from 98,000 to 800,000. Is that right? 800,000. So it's easy for that to happen. And this is what God's saying. 
I can make, I can do stuff like that for you. I can do stuff like that for you. You go, I just don't believe it. Okay. Then it won't happen. But the more you spend time with God, the more that you get to know him, the more you'll realize that he truly is an awesome father and he wants his children to be blessed and happy. To the degree that he blessed the socks off the Israelites, he said this. Now listen to me. In Deuteronomy, he says, now when you get the wealth, when you get it, do not forget moi. And they did. They forgot him. Because when people get money, they don't think they need God sometimes. Man, I told God, I says, I will be the opposite. I will know I need you more because I need to know where do you want this 10,000 to go? Where do you want that 100,000 to go? Where do you want this million to go? I got to hear him better and more so I'm going to be closer to you, God, if I get a hold of a ton of money. We need to hear him. Listen. Let's listen. Let's, let's fellowship with the Father. There's going to be times in your life that you mess up. Man, when, you, when the Father speaks with you, he'll just hold you and put you up in his arms. He's not going to sit there and point his finger at you and say, I'm taking it away from you. No, it's just like the prodigal son. Man, the first step back to God, he will run and chase you down. He will chase after you. He's always chasing after his children. He's never letting us go, never letting us, you know, we get to choose. There's consequences to our choices. There are. There's always consequences to your choices. So that's why God wants to help you. To not go down the wrong road, the wrong path. There's consequences. Sometimes they're bad. Really bad. You can get drunk one time. Get behind the wheel of a car and mess up your life. Or mess up somebody else's. Just one stupid wrong decision. One. You can't say, God, how did you allow this happen? Duh. Really? It's like somebody says, welcome to Brownsville. I don't know why. I don't know why the government didn't just tell us or somebody tell us. Uh, no. You, you forgot the 400 signs between Pueblo and Brownsville. There's so many signs. And God doesn't just put one out there. That would be like going from here to California. And there's only one sign that said this is the way to California. No, honey, there's tons. How much easier is God? There's, oh, my God. No, that's not right, Mike. That's not right. Yeah, but it, this seems so good. This seems so good. And if you're not fellowshipping with him, you're going to be, become dull in hearing. That's the way I was going to go. It's easy to get dull in hearing. And not only dull in hearing, you get dull in seeing. Let's just wake up. Hey, man. No condemnation, no guilt. It was the most loving message from your father. Most loving message from your father. He says, come unto me, all you that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I just believe in Jesus' name that the dullness of our hearing, the dullness of our seeing, the fall off, scales off of our eyes like they did to Saul when he became Paul. He saw clearly. Help us to hear clearly. 
There's always signs. There's always signs. There is always signs. But if we're distracted with what's going on in our life, it's easy to miss those. So I pray for Rocky Mountain Family Church. I pray for everybody who's watching. I pray for the church on this planet, all around this globe, that the planet, that this church, where Jesus is Lord, that we would see and that we would hear. And for your goodness to be overwhelmingly manifested on the outside of us, God. I pray that for us. And I believe for the signs and wonders like never before because we have truly been for such a time as this to be awakened, to be awakened. In Jesus' name, amen.